Back where we belong. Baby come back. The boys and girls are back in town. Back in black and red and white and every other color. All familiar song titles, sort of. But why? Because it's the second week of September, and that means Congress is back in D.C., back in session, back for another round. Even so, has anything changed in the last six weeks? Certainly not the great civil engineers give America's investment in its infrastructure. This is Hard Facts. I'm Robert Johnson. Not a day goes by without someone reminding us that our roads, bridges, and other transportation facilities get a failing grade from America's civil engineers. You know the grade because you've heard it a million times. D+. That's not good. It's better than an F. Our kids might say it's leaning toward a C. We've heard people on this podcast talk about the failing grade, so we thought we'd talk to the people who issued it. We're exploring the infrastructure report card, issued by the American Society of Civil Engineers, with Anna Denicky, the organization's director of infrastructure initiatives. If you're in transportation, you know about and often quote the infrastructure report card. It's become an important part of the conversation, hasn't it? It absolutely is. It's, it's really a one-of-a-kind document in the infrastructure space. It provides an opportunity for lawmakers and the general public to understand complex topics, things about condition, capacity, funding, future need, uh, with just a quick glance at the scorecard. You know a D is not good. It's not something you want your children to come home from school with. Likewise, you know a B is, is passing. It's not brand new. It's not, a, it's not top of the line built yesterday, but a B is uh, passing and a relatively good grade. Give us the particulars of the report card. How does it work? How do you put it together? Sure. Uh, So we put out the national report card every four years. In 2017, we assessed 16 categories of infrastructure. In the next report card, which comes out in 2020, we will be adding a stormwater category. So uh, we will be up to 17. We assess everything from, as I mentioned, capacity, condition, funding. We also look at future need. We look at things like resilience um, and innovation, public safety, operations and maintenance. We assess all publicly available information to the extent that that is possible. So we like to rely on typically federal data sets, national analysis to do our grade calculations. Then we synthesize and report everything out in a format that's easy for the public and lawmakers to understand. So there's a grading system? Correct. How does that work? Give us a little more there. Most grades fall in the C and D range, unfortunately. We do have some Bs. A B means things are good, they're adequate for now. Uh, A C means things are mediocre. And a D means the infrastructure is poor and at risk. We are not uh, saying that the bridges are going to fall down if they they have a D. Uh, It just means that this category of infrastructure with that grade needs priority, it needs funding, it needs attention. Um, in order to function for the public. And the committee is made up of how many engineers, their qualifications, where do they live? The Committee on America's Infrastructure is made up of 34 civil engineers from around the country. 
They specialize uh, in these various categories. So we have solid waste infrastructure specialists. We have uh, roadway civil engineers. We have bridge civil engineers. So practicing engineers around the country with various disciplines. And you manage around or manage against conflicts? You make sure they're not conflicted in any way? Yeah, we, we make sure that we have a diverse geographic representation as well as diverse backgrounds. So I would say, um, you know, we also see this, especially at the state level. Sometimes, you know, you have two or three large metropolitan areas in the state. So when we go to do a state report card, there's a tension between what we focus on um, from a geographic perspective, whether it's, you know, San Francisco and L.A. or the cities versus the rural communities. Um, So we, at the national level, try to, of course, implement geographic diversity, make sure that different parts of the country are well represented and that there is coverage of all of the various many parts of our country given credence in the narrative of the report card. The report card's been around a while, and it did not always come out every four years. What's the history of the report card, and why are we doing it? The report card actually originated as a uh, report put out by the Reagan administration called Fragile Foundations. At about the 10-year mark of that report coming out in 1988, ASCE started inquiring with the federal government, uh, you know, are you going to Congress, the administration, are you going to do an update to this? And the answer was no. So ASCE took it upon itself to do an update. We stuck with the categories that were originally included in Fragile Foundations, put out new grades in 1998. And then from there, while it hasn't exactly been every four years since 1998, especially in recent history, we've stuck to that every four-year cycle. We put out new grades at the beginning of a new administration. Sticking with the four-year plan, though, from here on out. Correct. And adding a new category next year. Correct. We're going to add stormwater. It's an area that is really getting more and more attention from lawmakers. Obviously, we see the impacts of storms around the country, major hurricanes and flooding events. Stormwater does not obey political jurisdictions. uh, And so it's really an issue that's starting to have to be tackled at a regional and national level. When does the report come out next? It'll come out in March of 2021. The evaluation process is starting at this point, or does it continue the whole four years in between? We're doing data collection now. It really depends on which category you're talking about. Um, On the surface transportation side, bridges, roads, transit, aviation, there's new data every month, certainly every year. On the water side, we aren't as lucky. The Environmental Protection Agency it puts together some national data sets that we use, and those, depending on congressional appropriations and, and staffing of agencies, those come out every four to six years. What's the intent of the report card? We really want to communicate to the public and to lawmakers, educate them about what is typically an out-of-sight, out-of-mind idea. Your neighbor Bob, he may get to work, he may cross a bridge, he certainly cares that that bridge is in good working order, he cares that it's open. But he doesn't necessarily think about where the funding comes from to maintain it, who owns the bridge. He certainly doesn't know what the term structurally deficient might mean. It's really an opportunity for us to to convey to the public and to policymakers and decision makers that infrastructure supports our quality of life. It supports our economy. It needs funding and attention and commensurate with the role it plays. 
I feel like we all know the 2017 national grade by heart, D+. You hear it all the time from members of Congress, from the media, from people talking about this everywhere. You look back at the history of the grades, though, and that's on your website. They've never really been that good. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we use the the Reagan report as a benchmark, um, and you're absolutely right. We've never gotten out of the D's. Some states have a C grade average. Some states are doing better than others. We have not really invested in our infrastructure in a major way since the 1950s and the 1960s. We've taken a generation off of investing in our roads and our bridges, and we see the results of that every day when we're stuck in traffic, when we have unanticipated car repairs due to potholes and other issues. We live the impacts of this, and the grades uh, show that as well. Given that the grades have not improved that much over this many years of doing the report card, how do you think it impacts the debate over funding? I think we're starting to see a shift towards recognizing the importance of infrastructure. Even over, you know, I've been in this area for about nine years, and and even then, It's changed from, you know, walking into a congressional office and having to explain to them, you know, this is the Highway Trust Fund and and this is what a freight program should be and and this is why this matters to you and your constituents. It is now walking into the office and them saying, you know, we want to do something. Here's where we're headed. So, of course, it's going to take some concentrated action. It's going to take some bravery to really do something big. But we had two presidential candidates, major presidential candidates, Trump and Clinton, run on investing in our infrastructure. So it seems like while we have taken a generation off of investing, we are headed in the right direction in terms of changing the narrative and really getting a major bill through, as well as being smarter about spending the money that we have. So looking at projects that uh, improve our resiliency and our sustainability, looking at life cycle costs, so not just building the cheapest way, um, but building a project that will require less funding for operation and maintenance over its lifespan so that we ultimately save taxpayers money in the long run. I noticed on your website, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, you give states their own grades. Some have grades posted, others don't. Is there a staggered system for compiling that information and putting it out? So our state report cards are developed by volunteers in each state. Um, our actually our Committee on America's Infrastructure similarly volunteers. Um, so the states that we do have report cards for, they are developed by our members that feel they have the time to devote to this project. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have grades for all 50 states. Some states are on regular cycles, just like the national Pennsylvania's come out with a report card every four years. Others, we're trying to get there, but it is a, a massive effort, as you can imagine. And so it really depends on the, the capabilities and, and time our, our members can devote. So if there's no grade, you're looking for volunteers? Yes, we are certainly looking for volunteers. You know, I will point out uh, for states that we don't have grades for, we do actually for all 50 states, we have a pretty comprehensive state fact sheet for every state, which includes data across the board in all of these various categories. Now, anytime you give someone a grade, whether you're 12 years old or managing a program for a state or the federal government, you might get a little disagreement. What kind of feedback do you get when you put these grades on the street? I have been surprised at the reaction um, and how positive it has tended to be, especially from lawmakers, but also from other stakeholders. 
Um, I think there's a real recognition that the report card is a one-of-a-kind document. You know, in the healthcare industry and in other policy areas, you have a lot of metrics, you have a lot of programs that's, that give money and then look at the results and publish results. And in infrastructure, there isn't always a whole lot of that. That's starting to change. Asset management is becoming a bigger and bigger part of the culture and agencies. But the report card is really an opportunity to sort of take a step back from the 30,000-foot perspective and say, okay, here's where things are. Here's what's going well. Here's what's not going well. And so lawmakers and members of you know, administrations understand this is a tool they can use to help make their case. Uh, and this is a resource that they can use to other lawmakers or to the public to make the case for increased investment. People don't call complaining about their grades? You know, we do, of course, get the <laughs> occasional complaint. Um, we really work hard during the development of the report card process to do outreach to agencies and other personnel ahead of time so that they understand that, you know, we are not Quite frequently, we find agencies are doing the best they can with limited resources. We are not there to critique personnel. We are not there to critique specific administrations. We are really there to assess the condition of infrastructure as it stands right now. Has anyone ever gotten an A? At the state level uh, or the federal level, not to my knowledge. What we would say an A is, is really a brand new system. So the metaphor I like to use is if, apart from when you're buying a brand new house, that was just built over the last year, you wouldn't expect all of your appliances, your roof, your floor to be brand new. And we don't actually think that's a good use of public funds, translating this to infrastructure. We don't need brand new, brand spanking new systems all over the place. We just need infrastructure that is in good working order. So we actually lobby to a level of a B. And that would include maintenance as much as new construction. Correct. Uh, we certainly are encouraging decision makers and others to prioritize maintenance. We believe that we need to fix what we have first before we invest in new infrastructure. That being said, there are, you know, this is a changing world. There are a lot of important new technologies coming on board. There's growing VMT, vehicle miles traveled. People are on the roads more. Congestion is getting worse. There's freight choke points. So there's also very valuable projects out there that can enhance capacity and, and bring new systems online that we should take a serious look at and invest in as well. As we've mentioned many times, the report card is a part of the daily conversation. And you said even before we began this conversation, it was part of the reason why you ended up doing this job. Is that surprising to you that something like this could be so much a part of what we discuss on this issue every day, that it's almost second nature? You know, I think in a world where policy is set by tweets and everybody's attention spans are very short, the report card is a very valuable tool for conveying complex ideas into a simple graphic or a simple grade or a simple thing to understand. So I'm not surprised. I actually, we've seen this concept emulated in other policy spaces as we've gone through the years. I think it's effective. I think it's meant for the 21st century. And I think we can rightfully claim a lot of credit for advancing the dialogue and infrastructure to the point that we have the president of the United States promising action. Trump is the first modern president to introduce a comprehensive infrastructure plan, not just roads and bridges, but everything. 
And so he deserves credit for that. His administration deserves credit for that. And we're happy that this is getting attention at the federal level in the way that it is. Of course, we haven't seen a bill passed, but we have seen additional funding proposed through the recent Fast Act reauthorization bill that was just passed out of EPW. We've seen um, attention from, you know, far right and far left saying, okay, we've got to do something. And I think the report card has played a role in that. As the work begins on the next report card due out in 2021, and you work through that process, in that 18 months, do you ever get a sense for where things are going, or are the results and the grades guarded as a secret until the very end? So they are guarded. You know, I won't say they're state secrets, but we certainly (laughs) treat them um, with quite a bit of caution in terms of sharing them outside our organization. Um, They really are our, you know, they're our flashy, newsy piece of information. And we want to make sure when we do release them that they are attention grabbing and that they get into the, you know, the hands and heads of Americans all over the country. Yeah, we work to keep them close at hand. That being said, you know, there are trends you and I can observe that will most likely be reflected in the next report card. I know in the solid waste category, for example, there have been some real challenges over the past year or so as China has stopped accepting our uh, recyclable materials localities are having trouble figuring out new markets for this. And so that's just, you know, we can read that in the New York Times. I mean, it's it's a big problem. And so you can see some of these trends develop and you might take a guess at how they'll fit into the overall report card. And you indicate those trends as part of your offering to the public. Yes. We really encourage folks to pay attention to the trends. So I'll talk about the ports category, for example. In 2013, the grade was a C. In 2017, the grade was a C plus. Ports have been investing heavily in preparing for the future and accommodating larger and larger cargo ships. They, you know, of course, face some significant challenges in terms of congestion outside their gates, but they have been preparing for the future and the grade has gone up as a result. So we encourage folks to look at trends like that, figure out where we were and what these individual categories did or didn't do over the past four years. So even movement from a straight letter grade to a minus or a plus in the system that you're implementing, the the criteria that you're looking at and measuring, that's a big difference. Yeah, in our world, that's a close to a seismic shift. We certainly encourage that kind of movement at the state level. We often see that. Um, I'll give you another example, Georgia. Georgia put out a report card in 2014. They put out a new state report card in 2019. Their GPA, their overall GPA, went from a C to a C plus. Over the past five years, their state legislature had taken some pretty big steps to prioritize investment in infrastructure. They'd raised the gas tax. They'd created a regional entity to manage transit systems. Um, they'd been investing some money in stormwater. So all of that's to say a lot of the grades jumped up a notch, and there's lessons that can be learned from Georgia for other states and for the federal government. As they begin to spend that money and build out that infrastructure then, are they on track to maybe get out of C altogether and move up to B? Is is that how this works? Well, I think anyone sitting in traffic in Atlanta right now would laugh at that. Um, they, they have some pretty significant challenges related to congestion. Um, they have a quickly growing population, and there are challenges that come with that as well. 
I won't speculate, but I, you know, it would be it would be very exciting to see some of these states really take preparing for the future seriously. It might be hard to do without support from the federal government. The federal government has traditionally been a strong partner and provided states with the resources that they need. And without a gas tax increase, without a serious investment from Washington, it's going to be hard to do that. We've touched on feedback, but do you find, has it been your experience in the time you've been in this position that states or even people at the federal level, that they care about the grades they get? Yes, I think they do care. And I I also think, you know, with the grades that we assign, we also offer some economic numbers uh, to really explain what that means to everyday Americans. So the average American loses $9 a day from insufficient investment in infrastructure. So that $9 is spent on things like unanticipated car repairs, waiting for the metro, um, gas lost to, to sitting in traffic. When a politician or a decision maker hears that $9 a day, that's kind of a wake-up call. And it really puts into perspective the fact that we're paying a hidden tax um, and that they can lower those costs by just proactively investing. How can you be in this business and not know about this report card? Do you find there are people out there who don't know about it? You know, I hear from our members, our ASCE members who go into freshman offices that occasionally there's some education required, but we're really fortunate to have such a reputable document and such a well-known document. I'm grateful to our members who have enhanced the reputation of ASCE through their hard work on this. How do people find out more online? Infrastructurereportcard.org. It's the report card is really designed to live online. It's interactive. It's easy to navigate. You can find information on your state pretty easily if you're looking to go contact your state lawmakers or um, meet with any of your Washington representatives. But it's a very easy to uh, navigate website, and I encourage folks to check it out. Do you give real-time updates or other information on social? We do. Uh, ASCE GovRel is our Twitter handle, um, and we're pretty active on there, sending out alerts about bills that have passed in federal developments, state houses, um, and other infrastructure-related news. G-O-V-R-E-L. Yes, ASCE G-O-V-R-E-L. Well, Anna Danicki from the American Society of Civil Engineers, thanks for coming by today to explain the report card to us. You did a great job. I think we'll give you an A. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I appreciate that. It's nice to see that A every once in a while. We finally get one. We issued one right here on this conversation, but don't get too comfortable out there. You know, B is what we're aiming for. Next week, we'll have the latest from Washington on the issues industry follows transportation funding, resiliency, and climate from voices you won't hear anywhere else. That's Wednesday, September 18th on Hard Facts, a podcast production of the Portland Cement Association. I'm Robert Johnson. I'll see you then.